0: The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC can be found online at overlandpark.cc. Welcome to OPCC. It's good to see all of you today. Happy to be here and enjoying the spring weather. And uh, I, don't, uh, I, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm ready for this um, material. Those of you joining online, you don't know about this, but there's some big blue tarps out here. I'm ready for that stuff to move away, man. Hopefully, we get some good sunny weather. They told me that they only have a couple of days' work, that they could wrap it all up, but the rain uh, keeps messing things up. So hopefully, that'll all get taken care of um, this week, and we can uh, start, start working on the landscaping part of this project. Anyway, uh, we're in the book of Acts. We're talking about <clears throat> pneuma and the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, um, but it's not real hard for me to daydream. You guys have that problem? One, two, some of you are daydreaming right now. You didn't even know what I said. <laughs> you kind of slip off and all of a sudden you're like, you wake up, oh man, I don't even know what happened around me the last couple of minutes. Matter of fact, I don't even know how long I was daydreaming. Um, and so that could be a real nerve wracking experience. But here's the interesting thing is that God can speak to you then, like in the midst of of a dream, a daydream like that, the Lord can say something to you. now, I think it's important for me to preface before we get into this. you go, man, you know God it's like man, I'm daydreaming all the time. God must be trying to say something to me. Well, it requires an incredible sensitivity to the Holy Spirit to be able to receive something like that from the Lord. so I don't think that um, I don't think that it's something. I do think that it's something that for, uh, it's a little uncommon for believers, but I don't think it should be. And I think the reason it's uncommon is because of our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, that that may be why it's uncommon for us to have experiences like that. I certainly have had experiences like that myself where, where God has spoken to me. And it's sort of like when he speaks to you, um, when the Lord speaks to you in any kind of way, I believe... <clears throat> whether it be just constantly uh, impressing a thought on you or through a dream of that matter or a dream you have at night. Um, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, things like that. Um, that it's not always crystal clear. What I mean is the Lord may say something to you and you don't really know why he's saying what he's saying, but he, he's saying something. When I was a youth pastor several years, several years ago, one of the things we used to do for the students um, is we would, we would set up scavenger hunts. And so we would go throughout the town and we would, me and the youth leaders, we would kind of come up with a plan and we'd, we'd figure out a way to um, put different clues in different places and we'd put them in different vehicles and, and they had to be back by a certain time And the only way to be able to get through this is you had to find the first clue to know what you were looking for to the second thing. And then you would find it, and it would reveal a clue, and you'd have to work that out and run some trial and error. And sometimes it would be going to people, certain people's houses, and they would give you the next clue. It was a whole lot of fun, but you had to get that first piece of information, and you had to listen to the information that you received in order to get the next piece of information to ultimately work through all of those steps to arrive at the destination that you were supposed to be at, which a party would usually ensue at that location. And so that's what it's like to follow Jesus. I think that um, the Lord, when it comes to the Numa, the Holy Spirit of God, He speaks to us, and um, it, it's like a clue. And, and and we're not trying to solve a mystery. I don't want to. I don't want to uh, overcomplicate it. One of my friends, a good friend of mine, he likes to call it um, uh, the Lord leaves us breadcrumbs. Okay. So we're going along in our faith journey and there's a breadcrumb, kind of like Hansel and Gretel. Isn't that who it was? Hansel girls leave Brian said, "I don't know." <laughs> and so, uh, and and they they found their way because he their way back because he left the breadcrumbs, right? I don't. It seems like some br- birds ate. So I don't know. That's a different story. Uh, but anyway, the Lord he does that, and I think sometimes along the way there's breadcrumbs, and I think every once in a while we we hit a slice of bread, and then sometimes we might find the whole loaf. And they're like, well, this is amazing. And why does God do that? I think it's to keep us encouraged. It's to teach us to walk by faith. It's to tell us we're we're headed in the right direction. But when the Lord speaks to us, he doesn't give us the whole loaf. The loaf is kind of at the end, man, and he's dropping these breadcrumbs along the way. Why does God do that? It's because we're human beings who are still marred by sin, who are still, even though we're redeemed as believers, and we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God indwells us, then we're still prone to do the what Paul calls it the war within," that sometimes i I don't do what I want to do, and I, I do what I don't want to do, and there's this battle waging within me, but who will save me from this misery And he says, "Praise the Lord, that, that Christ is in me right and he Helps me, and so I think it's to help us to do battle even against our own fallen nature, and to be men and women of the spirit who are led of the Lord. And so the Lord does it um, for a number of reasons to help shape us into the people that He wants us to be, and ultimately to accomplish what He wants to accomplish in His kingdom as it advances. Um, And I think we've lost some of that, and I think that's how you end up with religion. Is religion is you just believe something and you go do things because somebody else tells you to do them. And that's not what Christianity is described like. It's, it's a relationship with the Lord where he's leading each of us on a specific journey and we're accomplishing things that he desires for us to accomplish. And Jesus said it this way in John 10. It's kind of been our theme for this series. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And so when we come to life, the voice We've learned, reminds us, it guides us, it makes things known. And, and a lot of that making known, he makes known what is his, and that's people. And so he, he makes known people he's trying to, I think, bring into the kingdom. And that's a very important um, part of following Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit reveals things to us. We listen, we step into the obedience, and, he, and, and then he, he responds and reveals a little more to us. And we step into obedience in that. And so, as we consistently do that, what what happens is is there's the temptation to stop at a particular place, and we look and we go, "Man, it seems like that 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 guy over there he hears from the Lord all the time, and it seems like it seems like she, man, I'm, I'm watching this lady and 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 she hears. It's Connie's in here. I'm gonna make fun of you, Connie. If y'all don't know Connie, she's awesome. She's like." She's, she's my mom, but just a little younger, okay? And my mom can hear the voice of the Lord, and Connie can hear the voice of the Lord. And so some of you ladies may be looking at Connie and going, well, how come she's hearing the voice of the Lord so much clear, more clearly than I am? Or how come um, Pastor Shea or, or Pastor Jimmy, they seem to be hearing the voice of the Lord so much more clearly than I am? What's going on there? It's just simple. We're responding to what the Lord is saying, and he's showing us a little more. If you aren't hearing from the voice of the Lord louder, it's because you aren't responding to what he's already said. So if the Lord says to you, hey, um, I want you to step into this obedience here, and, and it's maybe baptism, and you don't step into it, guess what? It's harder to hear the voice of the Lord. You say, why? Because you haven't done what he's already said that you're supposed to do, and he's waiting on you. It's not you waiting on him. It's him waiting on you to respond to the obedience that he's called you to. It could be giving, could be serving. Bottom line, it's always going to be sacrifice. It's always going to be the Lord is going to ask you to sacrifice something that is precious to you that you're afraid to let go of. But then you're going to find when you let go of it, man, he shows up in a big way. And you start hearing him more clearly and you start getting it starts getting really exciting and you get enthused about following the Lord. And so what's really cool and so, like, when we look at other people and we say, man, they seem like they hear the voice of the Lord really loud. That's the only difference. There's no, there, and we're going to see this, like, there's, God does not have any favorites. He just doesn't. He's just got people that he's using in a greater capacity because they're listening with, with, with bigger ears. They can hear a little bit better what, what the Lord is saying. And, um, and so, like, that's a really important piece of the puzzle when it comes to following Jesus. Now, what's cool, is that there's a synergy that can happen between two people. And that is when the voice of the Lord is speaking to me and the voice of the Lord is speaking to someone else simultaneously about the same thing. And when that happens, that's, that's not like a bread loaf. That's like a bread basket. That's like, whoa. And, man, you get so fired up. You get so encouraged. You see that the Lord was saying something to someone else, and you know, man, I heard the Lord, and, and, and I walked in this, and you walked in this, and we saw fruit come out of it. And that's that's what the church is supposed to be doing. So if we can all come together in that, and we're all listening to the voice of the Lord, we're all following through in obedience, we're going to see the kingdom move in incredible ways. And it's going to keep us all really, really encouraged. And so we've looked, at, uh, we've looked at this happen with Philip and that Ethiopian guy who Philip led to the Lord. Then we looked at um, the apostle Paul and Ananias, man, that was happening simultaneously. The Lord spoke to both of them, brought them together, and Ananias was used to encourage Paul and, and pray for him. And, and they saw the kingdom move out of that. <clears throat> so today we look at a guy by the name of Cornelius, one of, the, one of my, I think one of the coolest stories in the Bible Um, that it happens between Cornelius and Peter. And the apostle Peter, who has grown up, is a very devout Jewish guy. And the Lord is moving in both of them. Now, Cornelius is not a Jew. He is a Gentile. And he lived in Caesarea. He's a centurion. This story is found in Acts chapter 10. I'm not going to read it because it's 48 verses, okay? And and if I read 48 verses and then go back and comment on those 48 verses, you're going to be here longer than 48 minutes. Okay, and so I don't want to do that. Uh, But but I want you to go back and read through it. And the Lord, there may be some things that the Lord says to you that. That I didn't say in the sermon. But you'll see that, that, that all I'm going to share with you is coming right out of that. And so I'll paraphrase some of it and just basically tell you the story. I know it fairly well. But Cornelius was a, a centurion, which means he, was, he, was, he had some leadership ability, man. He, and his leadership was recognized by uh, Rome. And they had elevated him to a position of authority. And he was leading people. And he was a very devout man. The, the scripture Luke says that he was God-fearing meaning that he, he believed in God, and he thought about God. It even describes him as generous. He was the kind of guy that he would go down and work at the, homeless, with the homeless people and, and help in the soup kitchens if he were alive today. He was a generous man, and um, he even prayed regularly. He would talk to God. and So this is the kind of guy that we've got here, he was a God-fearing man. And one day, it says at about 3 o'clock, that he had a vision, And that an angel or some sort of messenger, um, the Greek word is the angelos, it comes and, and, and gives him a message and speaks to him. He says, Cornelius. And he stares in fear. He's kind of blown away by it. And he says, what is it, Lord? And the messenger says, your prayers and gifts have gotten God's attention. He's watching you, Cornelius. I want you to send men to Joppa for Peter. Now, Cornelius doesn't know who Peter is. Cornelius is just a God-fearing man who's generous. He's a pretty good dude, and he's trying to make his way and do the best that he can uh, for himself and his family. And in the moment of prayer that he's seeking God, this messenger shows up and tells him to send to Joppa for a guy by the name of of Peter who's staying um, in in a tanner's house by the sea. And so, so he does it. He just, that's all he knows. That's all that he's heard. You see, he didn't get the whole bread loaf. He just got a little piece there, a little breadcrumb. This is what I want you to do. And he had to either step into that or not step into it. So meanwhile, um, as, as Cornelius obeys and he says, he pulls a couple of guys together and he says, listen, I need you bros to run down to Joppa, find this guy by the name of Peter, because I just had a vision and God told me to go send for this guy named Peter. Go find him. He's apparently staying somewhere by the sea in a tanner's house. And so the guys make their way and they head out uh, in that, that direction. And so the following day as they're traveling, so this was on day one, on day two, the men are traveling, making their way to Joppa, and Peter is hanging out at Tanner's. Not our Tanner's, but... Like like he's hanging out at this Tanner's uh, house. It's by the sea, would be by the sea because they use salt to tan the hides. And um, there he's, while he's waiting, it's about lunchtime and he's waiting on a meal to be prepared. He's hungry and he goes up on the patio and he spends some time in prayer. And while he's in this prayer, he falls into what is called a trance. Like he's awake but he receives a vision from God. And so there's probably, as he's up on the patio, there's the water in the background. There's the, in, the, we're just taking from the context. I'm kind of using some liberty to imagine what it would be like. There's probably an awning of some type that he's under to block the, the sun from the heat of the day, and, and he's hungry, and he falls into this, this sort of a daydream, if you will. And as he's having that daydream, then this sheet comes down. And on this sheet is all kinds of animals, both clean and unclean. And so for a Jewish guy, this was a big deal because they've been taught all their lives, you can eat these animals, you can't eat these animals. This animal that doesn't have the divided hoof, this one has a divided hoof. These are off limits. Or these you can eat and these you can't eat. These are the birds you can eat. These are the birds you can't eat. These are the reptiles you can mess with. These are the reptiles you can't mess with. All of his life, he's grown up being taught that. And all of a sudden, the sheet comes down, and all these different animals, both, the clean and the unclean, are on the sheet. And the voice tells him, rise and eat. And it happens three times. And he says every time, never, Lord. I've never had anything unclean. I'd never eat that. And the voice tells him, don't ever call anything unclean that I have called clean. Then he comes he's like scratching his head. He's like, he comes kind of, connected. what in the world am I thinking about? He just had a daydream experience. He just had an experience. He's, he's, what does this mean? Am I hearing from God? He doesn't, he doesn't know at this point. We're reading after the fact. So, but if we imagine where Peter was at before everything happens in the story, he doesn't know exactly what all of this means. And so at that moment, um, as he is thinking about what has happened, and wondering about the meaning, the guys arrive, and they call out from the gate, is Peter staying here? And the voice speaks to Peter again, and the the voice says, hey, go with these guys. I've sent them to you. So now he's had this incredible vision that he's not sure exactly what it means at this point. And he's got guys that are calling his name from the gate and he feels an impression and peace. I I would say a peace about the decision to go with them, go, go and see what they want. And again, this would be an important decision for him because a lot of times if somebody were coming and looking for these Christians, they might want to kill them right? They might want to be trying to eradicate Christianity, but the, the voice of the Lord gives him some peace that he can go with these men. They have been sent by the Holy Spirit. And so Peter um, hears the, the Lord say, you need to get up and go. Don't hesitate. I sent them to you. And so Peter goes down and he says, I'm the one you lo- you're looking for. But he does this, he said, why are you looking for me? Even though God told him, he felt that God told him that these men were sent from God, he asks them, and he wants to know from them why they are even looking for him in the first place. And they proceed to tell them that they're, um, the guy they work for by the name of Cornelius has had a vision. And in the vision that he had, he was instructed to go find you and where you would be staying. And so that's why we're here is to bring you back to him. We're just messengers. He has asked us to come and bring you back to his place. And so Peter invites these men who are Gentiles that would be unclean to come in to stay with him. And they stay the night, and they set out the next day. And they arrive at Caesarea, and when they arrive, Cornelius is there. Cornelius doesn't have any idea what Peter's going to say to him. Cornelius doesn't even know if the guys are going to find Peter, and if they do find Peter, that Peter is going to come back. He has no idea. He wouldn't send in text. Hey, Pete, uh, I'm sending some dudes up to get. No, the, the guys were the text. And they're waiting on him. But what does he do? He has a house full of people waiting on Peter's arrival because he's so sure that he's heard from God that he's walking now by faith before he even knows fully what faith is. And so he he's expecting Peter to come because he's had an, a divine encounter with God. And, and so when they get there, they arrive and they, and Peter finds this house full of people and, and Pete walks in. And when he walks in, Cornelius sees Peter and he falls down at his feet and starts worshiping. He's just worshiping. Peter. Peter. Peter's like, hey, bro, whoa, 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 whoa. Get up. I'm just a dude. I'm just a dude like you. Don't worship me. We worship God. You don't need to do that. So Cornelius gets up. And when he gets up, um, he says, P- Peter says, I think this is fascinating. The first thing he says to Cornelius is, you do realize it's, it's not permissible for me to be in your house. You do realize that everything I believe as a Jew says you're unclean and I'm clean. And by coming into your house, I'm going to be unclean. That's not a great way to start a conversation, right? But that's what he says. And I think he says that because Peter doesn't know what's going on. And he's he's trying to hear the voice of the Lord. And he's like, what am I doing violating all of the Jewish law that we've known for for thousands of years. And then he wanted to say that so it'd be part of the story so that if the other Jewish brothers, like James and John and all the other guys, say, what in the world are you doing going in a Gentile's house? He's, like, he's just prefacing everything. But he says, but God has shown me in the vision that I had not to call anything unclean that he has said is clean. And so Peter's starting to put the breadcrumbs together as he's listening to the voice of the Lord and saying, Man, that vision that I had was not about food. It was about God's people. It was certainly was about food too, but it's about God's people. And I shouldn't be looking at these people as unclean. But he does this. He says, Can I ask you why you sent for me? And so he's asking now. He's still asking questions, even though God is the one who tells us. A lot of times we read the Bible, and we see the end of the story, and we just think it's all clean cut, and these guys knew everything. They didn't know everything. They were just like you and I, and the Lord was having to show them things along the way, just like he will show you and I as we walk along the way. The Lord will show us things, and we will discover things, just like as I used in that illustration on the scavenger hunt, just more and more becomes uh, clearer and clearer as we go along. And so he says, why'd you ask for me? And Cornelius is like, man, I was praying as I know how to pray. And I, I, I heard uh, uh, God say to me that I am to sin for you. And that's why I ask you to come. And Peter again tells him, well, I realize that God has no favorites. He accepts anyone who uh, fears and follows him. And so then Peter starts to tell them all about Jesus. He recognizes The whole reason I'm here is to tell these guys about Jesus because Cornelius doesn't know anything about Jesus. He's a God-fearer. He doesn't know anything about Jesus. And so as Peter starts to explain to them that Jesus Christ came and he suffered and he died and he did all this miraculous stuff and that, that he was God in the flesh, he basically shares the gospel with him and, and talks about how he rose from the dead. And as he's saying all of these things, these guys are converted and the Holy Spirit falls on these Gentile people and they start speaking in tongues just like the apostles did a few years earlier in Jerusalem when the Spirit fell on them. And it was a miraculous event to show Peter, who was the leader of the church, that the gospel was going to be open to the Gentile world. That's all of us. And so it was this really incredible thing. And Pete looks at the guys who he brought along with him on the journey, um, and he says, hey, man, these people need to be baptized. And so they're baptized, and the gospel's opened up to the Gentiles, and we see in the book of Acts from that point forward, we see uh, Paul and Barnabas, they begin the Gentile missionary journeys, and, and the gospel just spreads all over the known world. And that's how it made its way to you and I today. And so we look at that, and here we see how the Spirit moves. We see somebody specifically listening to the voice of God, God speaking to them, they step into the obedience, they get a little more information, they're asking questions, they get a little more, a little more, a little more, and ultimately they get to see the kingdom break wide open as the Lord brings two people that he's simultaneously speaking to together, and the kingdom breaks out. And so what are the takeaways? Well, I've talked a lot about dreams, and so I think that we look at that and go, man, I just want God to speak to me in dreams like that. Now, that's not the common thing for me. That doesn't happen to me like all the time. And I think the reason we want that is because it's a lazy way. It's like if God speaks to us in dreams, all we got to do is go to sleep or have a little daydream. We'll hear from the voice of the Lord and boom, we can just follow Jesus. It's a lazy way. And that's why we want that. And here's what I want you to understand. You will never hear Jesus in a dream if you can't hear him when you're awake. Like You got to be able to hear him when you're awake. Like It doesn't take a dream to step into obedience. It doesn't take a dream to step into the obedience of baptism. It doesn't take a dream to step into the obedience of just being faithful as a steward of God. It doesn't take a dream to be faithful and serving. It doesn't take a dream to, to just obey the things that are clearly apparent to what the Lord is asking you to do. So, like, if you want to hear God in a dream, you got to be able to hear Him when you're awake, so that you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit and you can recognize the voice of God. Now, this word "trance," um, this trance that He falls into, is the Greek word "extasis," and here's what it means in the Greek: it means awake, but our mind is drawn off from all surrounding objects and fixed on divine, on the divine, and God shows us realities from the things that are around us, okay? So Peter is perplexed about friendship in this moment, about relationships. You got the flapping awning over him. We've got him being hungry. And so God takes these things and he uses them to give him a vision to communicate some truth to him that is going to transform the way of life as they know it. And so when we are fixed on the divine, then God shows us things about the kingdom with the realities that we're walking in. So God can use trees. He can use activities. He can use songs. He can use movies. He can use um, all kinds of things. You could be watching a soccer game and, and the, you could daze off a little bit. And if your mind is fixed on the divine realities, God can use those things to speak to you about something in his kingdom. And it does happen frequently as the Lord is reinforcing and communicating truth. And the problem we don't, ex- the, the, the reason we don't experience it more is because our minds are not fixed on the divine, okay? Our minds have to be, we have to live with our our head in heaven and our feet on the ground. And so we're constantly taking on the mind of Christ. We walk by faith, not by sight. And when we walk by sight all the time, then we have our mind fixed on the realities that we can't see. And we rarely are thinking about the things that we can't see. So, we have to reverse that and flip it and go, I'm gonna walk and I'm gonna fix my mind on the things I can't see, and God will use the realities around me to teach me about things in His kingdom that have to do with faith and not flesh. We're so prone and we're so easily distracted to walk by flesh. So, we walk by sight and we miss faith. But if we walk by faith, we will begin to recognize the realities around us of where we're succumbing to the flesh and we're not growing and becoming all the Lord would have us to be. So that's the first takeaway. Here's the second takeaway. You could be encouraged to know the Holy Spirit is always one step ahead of us. The Holy Spirit is always gonna be one step ahead of us. The pneuma of God, he always calls us to action. And I've kind of illustrated that already. He, but in this story, he tells Peter, get up, go down, go with he tells Cornelius, "Take some men, send for Peter," and so he does it. But he, but when Peter, when when when, uh, when Cornelius sends the men, as they're on their journey, God is already starting to have Peter think about things, and He's giving him a vision. And then when Peter gets up to go down, he doesn't know what's going, but God already has Cornelius recruiting a whole house full of people that are ready to receive the gospel and have the Spirit fall on their lives. He's always one step ahead of them. He's one step ahead of Cornelius, he's one step ahead of Peter, and he's one step ahead of you. The problem, again, is not that God is not giving enough information. The problem is we're not taking the step of obedience so we can't get the next step. God can't move ahead in our lives. You see, people are growing at much different uh, rates uh, of speed. Some people seem like when they get the they get full of the Lord, man, they just grow and grow and grow and grow, and they're just tearing it up. And other people, it seems like, man, they, they said they came to know the Lord, and they're still stuck there. They've only moved a few feet. Why? It's because one is traveling faster through the steps of obedience and getting more information, and God is pouring out more um a revelation to them, not new things. There's nothing new under the sun. He's not going to reveal any new truth about what doesn't already exist, but he will reveal some truth that you don't know yet. And as you receive that truth that you don't know about the kingdom and you step into it, you'll get more and you'll get more and you'll get more. That's why I think Paul, I think it's in Thessalonians. He he says, I pray that you might have the kingdom or or something to that effect more and more, that it might fall more and more on you, more and more of the word, more and more, more and more, more and more. That's what I want. I mean, who wants some dead religion? You see, it's not that God wants you to like... here's, here's where we get upside down is we think that the Lord is asking me to do more and more. No, the Lord is asking you to take a step so he can show you more and more. He's not asking you to do more and more. He's asking you to take a step so he can give you more and more. And we get stuck by the realities of looking with our physical eyes at the things that we can't see, that we miss the things that we can't see. And then when we're walking in those physical eyes, we can't even enjoy the stuff that we have because there's no peace inside. And we find that we have all this stuff, but we're still not very happy. Why? It's because the more and more of the stuff we can't see, or the more and more of the stuff we can see can't satisfy us. But the more and more that we get of the stuff that we can't see, the more satisfied we become and we don't need as much of the stuff that we can see. That's why Jesus said, if you lose your life, you'll find it. If you keep looking for your life, you'll lose it. And so we got to seek first the kingdom of Christ and all these other things will be added unto us. And so uh, the Holy Spirit's always one step ahead of us. Here's the third takeaway. Pneumatic instruction should always be shared and tested. Okay, so we see both of these guys share with others. First thing they do is they get Peter takes some guys along with him. Cornelius gets some guys together, and he tells them the story and sends them. They tell them what's happening. Peter's asking questions, and he's questioning. Um, he's testing what he feels like is a divine instruction by asking questions of the people that he's recognizing. And that is a very, very important step in trying to hear the voice of the Lord. Peter doesn't jump ahead. He confirms everything that he's hearing. If you jump ahead of the Holy Spirit, then you will make decisions that the Lord never intended you to make because the Lord will always confirm something that he's asking you to do. And it's important to ask questions, especially when you're dealing with a dream, because you need to know whether or not you're having a dream because you're receiving um, a a vision from heaven or you ate some bad taco meat, right? (laughs) You could be having, uh, 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 you could just feel like you ate too much and all of a sudden you're in a sluggish place and you could daydream about something. So God doesn't speak to you in every dream. And God doesn't speak to you in every thought that you have. So, how do I differentiate when I'm thinking something that I'm not conjuring something up that my flesh wants to believe that I'm actually hearing something from the Spirit? You test it with questions. And you begin to ask people. You ask people around you, whom you know, that can hear the voice of the Lord. And if they are giving you some wisdom that confirms some things, you could even ask people to pray for you. And if they, you start to hear men there and supported that, and they're they're hearing something as well, then you can get some confirmation. Or if you hear God saying to you, "Hey, um, I want you to go and begin a relationship with this this person, this neighbor." And you can start looking. You don't go and tell them, hey, God, has God been telling you that we should be friends? <laughs> not what you do, right? You go and you hang out with them. And if you keep having a bad time and there's like, like you're putting yourself through a suffering and the other person doesn't seem like they're enjoying it, God's not asking you to hang out with them, right? Because God is going to be in that. He's going to bless that relationship. He's going to give growth in it. And you're going to see movement from the kingdom. And so always test what the Lord is saying to you with questions. And and here, this is really important. I've taught this before. Cornelius, you guys got to get this. He fits the typical Johnson County resident profile. He lives everywhere around us. He fears God. He loves his family. He's willing to be generous and help people, but he doesn't have a clue about what it means to walk with Jesus. That's, that's, that's our community. And so the only way we're going to help those people is by getting in relationship with them and letting them see what it looks like um, to follow the Lord. He's a very very successful man, family man, devoted God-fearer, but didn't know Jesus at all. And so you look around and probably a lot of the people that you're in relationship with, that your, your kids are doing life with, they don't know Jesus I mean, they, they may believe in God, but if you believe in God and you... Listen, before the Spirit entered Cornelius, he was bound for hell. That's just the bottom line. Because the only sacrifice for sins, the only way of escape... Is a relationship with Jesus. And it doesn't matter if a person fears God if they haven't accepted Jesus and are in relationship with him. And a lot of people, like, they go, man, I, you know, what about these people doing all this good stuff? It's all the more need for us to be urgent about our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and spreading the gospel because goodness doesn't get you right with God. Jesus does. That's it. And, and, and if, if it did, if, listen, you, if you just logically think this through, like, if that were not the case, there would be no reason for Jesus to come and die on the cross of Calvary. Because we could just be good and we'd be all right with God. But goodness doesn't make us right with God. Only the sacrifice of Christ on the cross of Calvary and receiving that sacrifice, placing our faith and trust in it, being covered by the blood of Christ, then indwelt with the Spirit, being chosen by God, responding to the choice, walking with Him in obedience. That's what makes us right with God. And so here's the big idea. Listen to the Lord and live. If you're not listening... You're not living. That's just about, like, even if you know him and you, you, you could look at, at periods of your life and you go, man, I know this so clearly because when I, 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 I met the Lord at nine and I listened till I was 15 and I was living, but then from 15 to 22, I didn't Listen. And there really is not that much that I can remember about those years that I'm very proud of. Just a lot of wasted time, a lot of pain I caused my parents and people in my life that really, quite frankly, I'm ashamed of. It's not a, it's not a time in my life that I look back and go, man, those were the golden years. I'm living the golden years when I'm listening. And so if we are starting to like we'd meet the Lord and we quit listening. It's like we're carrying a corpse around. We're trying to dig our old self up. And it's just, it's just a stinky way to live. Like it's just not the way you want to live. You want to listen to the Lord. And you will live, man. He will give you the abundant life. And so this, this is just the way it's supposed to be. And so here's, here's for you guys. The, 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 listen, what I, all I want to do each week is I want to do the best that I can to encourage you. Now, there there are things that I'm going to say that it feels like, man, I'm trying to get the church to grow. Okay, but of course I want the church to grow. But the reason I want the church to grow is because if you are listening to the Lord, you will grow. And if you are listening to the Lord, you got Cornelius's all over your life. They're everywhere. And you got to step in to the truth, man, and obey the Lord, and those Corneliuses will move from god fears to Christ-followers, and they will escape the wrath of God, and their church will grow, okay? And so, like, I'm trying to get you to grow, and as we move into the Easter season, it's, man, you've got so many opportunities that are going to happen. People, more people are going to go to church in two weeks than ever go ever, than, than any other day of the year in two weeks, there will be more Cornel- Cornelius's sitting in church all over this community than there will be any other day of the week. Your friends are going to go to church somewhere. Some of them are. Some of them may not. But a big portion of them that don't ever go to church, they're going to church. What message do you want them to hear? Because you could get into one church where they're not teaching the truth. You could get into, I I believe at this church, we are centered on truth, and we're going to teach you how to follow Jesus. And so, like, it's a time for you to look at those people and go, man, who are the Corneliuses in my life? And the Lord to drop a breadcrumb as you're praying, and you pick up the breadcrumb, he drops another breadcrumb, and who knows, maybe by Easter, you're holding a big old bread basket. And the Lord blows your mind and the church is not better because you reach 5 people and now and you know we have we have to add another service because I'll, the church is better because you're better Because you know more of the voice of the Lord and it will change you forever and you will walk that out and nothing else will satisfy once you have been satisfied by being fed by the hand of the king himself. As Jesus breaks the bread and multiplies it and feeds the 5,000, he tells them, you're come. You guys keep coming to me because you want me to give you more physical bread. Don't you see it's all about the spiritual bread? That was the whole point of the feeding of the 5,000. And there's always stuff left over. And so I want to encourage you in the Lord, man, I want you to open your eyes. And I want you to grow. I want you to grow. I want you to see the Lord do things in your life. And as you see it happen, man, you're going to be so encouraged. It's going to make you a better mom. It's going to make you a better dad. It's going to make you a better husband, a better uh, wife, a better uh, son, a better daughter, a better student. Not because you're being good, but because you're enjoying life. You're living, man. You've come alive in Christ. And you're, you're actually looking for the breadcrumbs, just like the students. What made it so fun for doing that thing with the students was not putting all the clues out. What made it so fun is watching the students enjoy finding the clues and racing for the next destination and all coming together. And that's what we're headed for. When the king returns as a great marriage supper of the Lamb and all of those children of his who've been out doing life and living, man, we're all going to come together for this incredible party that Jesus is going to throw in the future. And all of his kids are going to come around the great marriage supper of the Lamb and he's going to serve us. And so listen to the Lord and live. Now as we take communion today, um, I want you to think about that. I want you to just like, I want you to... Think about, man, this, this juice, it represents the blood of Christ. This, this bread represents the body of Christ. I don't want to partake of it in an unworthy manner. And I want to, I, I want to encourage you, like, you, as a believer, to just man, connect with the Lord and, and say, Lord, I want to listen. I want to live. And before I partake of these elements, I want to pray. I want to ask you to help me to be sensitive so I can hear what you're saying to me and I can step into the obedience that you're calling me to. So let me pray over you. I'll turn it over to Sean and we'll receive the elements. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word and how clear it is. We thank you for your people, Lord. Thank you for Cornelius and Peter and their story, Lord. It helps us so much. This story is so encouraging to me. And so I pray Lord for myself that I'd be sensitive and that I, I would model this for your people and that your people Lord would be sensitive and they would model it for the people in their lives Lord and we see the kingdom grow because it's growing in us individually and it, you would just do your thing. Like you would do your thing and we would see the kingdom advance and territory claimed for you. We love you Lord as we partake of communion today and And remember the sacrifice that you made on the cross of Calvary. Lord, speak to us. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at overlandpark.cc.